again to the Strange Brew podcast. My name's Jason Barnard and that's Garrett Watkins and nobody from his Garrett Watkins and the Dominators album from 1979. That's because I've got Garrett here today on the Strange Brew podcast. Not only has Garrett got a fabulous solo career and we'll be hearing highlights from his new compilation, Aid Memoir, He's been a sideman for so many great artists which we'll be talking about today, including the likes of Nick Lowe, Van Morrison, Paul McCartney, great musician on the keys here today. So let's hear my chat with Gerin. Yes, can you see me? Yeah, that's a fantastic welcome. No. <laughs> so, thank you very much for doing this. It's a real oh, pleasure. It's a, my pleasure. Thanks for asking me. I'm thinking, who wants to know? <laughs> One of the great things is you've played with some of the great figures of music, but this new collection is an opportunity to showcase your fine solo material that you've been releasing for over 40 years, isn't it? Yeah. I know I haven't got a big enough ego, I don't think, to see it through, really. I think you need to be Elvis Presley, and I'm not. But it's all good stuff. Were you from a musical family? Well, yes and no, but not really. I mean, my auntie played the organ a bit, and my uncle's a very good fiddler. 
two of my brothers are very good. We used to play together growing up. But it's not like I, I was listening to um, Eliza Carthy on the radio last night, and that was a musical family. Bloody hell. I don't think they stopped, you know, she, the Martin Carthy and all them. But there was music around, yeah. And so when did you start playing in front of people? Well, not for a while. Well, when I was a teenager, I suppose, but no, we still didn't really take it seriously. I mean, I, I always did myself, but it was like, it was like, nah, don't be so silly, you know, you wouldn't, there was, not, you know, in a little mining village in Abertrud, you're not destined to go, you know what I mean? You don't, you think, but you think, oh, and in the end, of course, I thought, well, I'm just going to give it a go and moved moved up to London and that. So when you um, first started playing in groups in London, was that around the time of what is known as the pub rock scene or was it earlier? Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose it was just after that, the pub rock thing was going from 1970, I suppose, on. And I was about 1975, really, came up, because still part of the pub rock thing. And in fact, the Ballam Alligators were regarded as the doyens of pub rock in the 80s. Whatever. Your first single was uh, with uh, Garrett Watkins and the Dominators, Nobody. Yeah. So when did the musicians that coalesced around that come together? That was from, because uh, I'd moved up to um, London, for because we used to come up here with a Cardiff band, Red Beans and Rice, which was Tommy Riley's band. And we used to come up to London to do the London pub gigs, you know, like Open Anchor and stuff, National Rooms. And it was after that, I thought, well, I'm going to move up to London. That's So I did some rock and roll, Stuart Coleman's rock and roll show on Saturday. We did a couple with that band and with Memphis Bend, and I did a couple of my own. And then Andy Fairweather Lowe heard that rock and roll show and then gave me a ring and said, do you want to make a record? And, of course, I said, um, I said yeah, you don't say no, do you? And, uh, and he organised all the musicians that he knew, the rock field. So we recorded it up there, and that was great. And he's really great, you know, so he was still a pop star then. The bonus of the, the Welsh connection coming back in, especially at, at Rockfield. Well, yeah, it was sort of, I mean, I suppose this, yeah, it's in the blood, isn't it? And you sort of, you understand each other, you know, It's uh, and they can all pronounce my name properly. Yeah. It seems strange because uh, nobody, that first single of yours, it got quite a lot of play on Radio 1. It did. It was record of the week. But um, I don't think it sold any because I, I don't think the record company really thought it was going to sell it. I think it was, um, I don't know, maybe a sort of tax loss thing. No, I think the fella who really liked it, he left Vertigo Phonogram shortly after he, he had a falling out of them. So I was left. So they just put the record out and not expecting to sell it. And then it was record of the blink of a week. It was really annoying because I could have been a pop star. <laughs> you were on one of those stiff tours, but was that with yeah. supporting someone else? Or, or, yeah, or... I was in uh, Mickey Jupp's band. He's another one. He's great. He's a cantankerous old fellow, but I always got on really well with him because I... I liked his sense of humour. And he's a brilliant songwriter and singer and guitarist and piano player. He's brilliant. And the stiff tour, of course, was, was great. 
because your own songwriting is needs a, a bit more of a, a spotlight shining on it. Deep in the heart of Texas from that early period is now been recorded by so many artists and is a bit of a classic. Well, it's few have done it. Yeah, much to my, I'm so flattering when people do record it. You're like, wow, you know, it's um, brilliant. Yeah, Mike Sanchez did it. What's his name? Did it? Um, Starry Starry Night. But Don McLean. Yeah. Don McLean. Yeah, he recorded it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and he he's written a few songs himself. Hasn't he? Yeah, just a few. Just a couple. Yeah, <laughs> they done very well. And that bloke from uh, NRBQ, he did it. Dave Edmonds had the... One Dave of the... Edmonds recorded it, yeah. How did the uh, collaboration with Shaking Stevens happen? Because that well, that was hugely successful. It was. So we did the Dominators. I think we'd already done that. Stiff tour. It must have been after that with Shaky. Yeah, yeah it was early uh, 80s. Yeah, early 80s, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, that was the same thing. I mean, that came through um, Stuart Coleman again, I suppose, because he was the producer of the Shaking Stevens. So he wrote me in to play piano and uh, really surprised me when it was a hit. And then 
there was another hit and another one, and they went, you know, one after another. Blimey. That was good fun, though. All the it, girls are screaming at him. When you think about it in retrospect with the music of the 1980s, it, who would have thought that more of a retro style of an artist, a bit more of that rockabilly, would be yeah. the biggest singles artist of the 80s? I know. It's remarkable, isn't it? That's why I didn't really think when... Because I've, I've never saying to somebody who's like, oh, yeah, we don't, you know, rock and whist, that's... Oh, it's the thing of the past. We want to get modern, you know. We want to, but no, because it's really it's all the blinking same. Any of the music, what, whatever it is, it just keeps coming around the same stuff, really. And, I, and then punk that came, that was that's just rock and roll, isn't it? And then back in the days, rockabilly, that was like punk rock, wasn't it? And skiffle groups, they were pretty sort of. It wasn't exactly punk rock, but. Sort of the same in a way, wasn't it? Kind of under, underrated looking back, Shaking Stevens, because he wrote Oh Julie, didn't he? He did, yeah. He came in one day and he said, Oh, I've written this tune. It's like, Oh. And again, you think, Oh, it's all right, yeah. Yeah, the next thing you know, it's big. And I just happened to my accordion with me. He's like, Cool, let's put some accordion on it. And then, you know, another hit. But he had a good, you know, the image was good and everything. And he was, he did believe he was Elvis. And I think he was Elvis, you know. But he's still a nice bloke. He just loves that, the whole persona. You know, he loved Elvis and he just loved it. That comes across. Right? Is he Welsh again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I don't know. That's the way it works, isn't it? And Mickey G was the um, guitar player in the band. He was Memphis Bend and... I played on red beans and rice, so I, so I knew him from Cardiff. So it all comes round, you know. A very good fit for the type of music that you were playing anyway, Shaking Stevens. Oh, yeah, perfect. I mean, and Shaky just, like he sort of, in, he said, we can't have Mickey G. You know, he was his sort of dream band. Well, say it was his dream band. I think, I think his sunsets were pretty yeah. good, but, you know, I don't know. But that was that's another story. At Top of the Pops? We did one Top of the Pops. And I think after that, the powers that be were thought, we didn't exactly project the right image. <laughs> we did look like a bunch of old men. And we were sort of comparatively young then too. But I saw it the other day. Somebody sent me the film. It's on YouTube somewhere. They said, yeah, put these T-shirts on. Thinking, I think, that we'd look like James Dean or Marlon Brando. <laughs> we just looked like we come off the building site
how did the Balamalligators form then? Or was that just musicians you were playing with? Yeah, it's just some people I know. I mean, Gary, I knew from, um, he was sort of my best friend in college, in art college in Portsmouth. You know, we always vowed to make a band again. And then he moved, then he did this, we did. But we sort of got back together again. And then he knew somebody else. And so next thing you know. And then I had bought an accordion. And then we just discovered Cajun music, you know, because then it wasn't all on the internet. He was like, uh, you discovered things then, didn't you? He was like, wow, have you heard this? It wasn't like all at the flick of a switch. And um, I can't remember what it did. Oh, and then we had Kieran on the drums, who was a fantastic drummer, but he drank too much. And in fact, we all drank too much, but we didn't drink as much as him. And uh, Robin, the fiddle. It was Robin's band, really, the fiddle player. I don't know. You ask me how it, how it, I don't know how it happened. We just we sort of fell into it somehow. And we sort of enjoyed it. And just, it was a bit crazy, but people liked it. I mean, we were, we were a good live band, but I don't, we were very unruly. Which is great, you know. And I think punk was still in the air. And we thought we were still, and we weren't. We just old men, but well, we were in our 30s by then. Of course, that's when, you know, you're, that's, you're old then, and you're in rock and roll terms. <laughs> but anyway, it was good fun, though. Some of that live material, live alligators, that, I think that was from the Half Moon Putney, wasn't it? And Yeah, I think it was, yeah. There's a description of the live gigs at the time and something about setting light to paper aeroplanes and is that something you recall pete the roadie would set light to paper aeroplanes and send them flitting across the stage yeah well that could well have been that sort of doesn't sound i don't remember particularly that but it was yeah, that's a sort of it's all sorts of nonsense like that i remember peter used to come and he always used to heckle us go you'll never be any good play something you know and one night we all had enough. We all saw the stage and beat him up. We didn't beat him up. We just pretended to, you know, it's that sort of thing. And Robin had a dog who was a Jimmy the dog. And we <laughs> we did an old chef. He got him up and he go, oh, in the middle of old chef. Of course, that stole the show because, you know, he'd bring a dog on stage and he howls. You can't go wrong, can you? So that was brilliant. That sort of wild band. Uh. I've read that the first um, Ballam Alligators records were financed through uh, some sort of government grant enterprise. It was, because uh, the bass player, Arthur Kitchener, well, he must have been on the door at the time. And it was, um, I think it was Margaret Thatcher's thing. There's some plan about starting your own business. So you were given, I think it was £400 to start your own business. To know it worked anyway. He got the 400 pounds and the business he started was a the record label. And we put the single out on on that. It didn't sell many though. The last Balamalligators album, Gateway to the South, with an example, Alan's Rock and Roll. You've described that as the best Alligators album. Is that something you feel? Well it was the best recording, I suppose. And we I mean a lot of the good stuff we the first felt we were so you know, and, and Kieran would, we'd have to get, there'd be a window when he was good between half past 11 and 12, when he was the best drummer in the world. And the 
the rest of the time. He was terrible. He was brilliant and we loved him, you know, but we just didn't record very well. We were just didn't have enough discipline, I suppose, because we just went in the studio and went, yeah, 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 we could, yeah, just put it up, man. Yeah, it's great. And then after you go, actually, it's not all that good, is it? When it actually came out. And there's songs are great and everything, and we did some performance of good, but we just didn't take it seriously enough. But I think the last one, Gateway to South, we'd started trying to take it seriously. And it was yeah, it was sort of all right, but we by then it was too late by then. The album title that it originally came off Gateway to the South, when you read that, you think it's of some sort of reference to the, the Deep South in the US, but I've read it was actually a Peter Sellers sketch. Yeah. Yeah, it was Balham, Balham, <laughs> Gateway to the South. <laughs> I think it actually did have on the side of the cinema, on the Bedford Hill, it's actually got Balham, Gateway to the South, written up on the wall before Peter Sellers. That's what inspired him to do the sketch. Like. And that's where most of us lived then. In fact, Kieran was born in Balham and after the bass player. So, yeah, we owe a lot to Balham.
So in the mid nineties, you um, played quite a bit with Nick Lowe. Did you know him first time around in in the late seventies? No, not as no, I didn't really. I always liked him. I always thought, oh, he's I like him. He's I like to play with him. And of course, then I knew Dave Edmonds after Shaky. But the drum when Alwyn Kieran died. The drummer that I was really friendly with on the stiff tour that played with Lena Lovage, Bobby Irwin, he was like, he was Nick Lowe's best mate, really. And then he joined Balam Alligators. So it was through Bob and Nick. And, you know, he said, oh, why don't we just get... So So he was connected like that through Bob. It all goes around always like a network, all suitably mad, like, recognising... Each for their like their madness. They like, oh, he's all right. He's as mad as I am. So it's a bit like that. You played on a trio of Niccolo albums, and that, that seemed to be a period in his his music where he stripped back the arrangements a bit more, possibly a bit more of a country soul influence. Yeah, yeah. Which is great to do. I mean, it's sort of civilized, isn't it? When you get older, you calm down a little bit. And it was, it was, I loved it because they're, they're all great songs he's written. And it was quite nice after um, the Balm Alligator to talk. <laughs> we just sit down and just take it easy for a bit. <laughs> just, and he was so he's brilliant. And of course, he's great. And Nick is great too. Because With It on the Vine is a great example. I think that's organ in the background of yours. And it's just so understated. It's, yeah. it's plain enough and you can hear it and it, it sort of supports the vocals. Yeah, well, that's what we did. We did all of it like that, really. It was just because really Nick would, he could just play the songs on the guitar and sing them, and he'd have it. He sort of out rehearsed himself, you know, he wouldn't. So we just supported him, right? You know, because just to make it slight, in fact, he could have just done the records on his own, I think. <laughs> but he was great to be there. And you played quite a bit live with him, didn't you? We did quite a lot, a lot of gigs. Yeah, we went, we went to America a few times. We went to Japan all the times. We went as a trio once to Japan. Was it Japan? Just me, Bob, and Nick, and that was all. Right. But he was stretching it, which is the three of us. I once had a true love I thought it would last How could I know That it would go so fast A love like a holiday Tender and kind And I let it wither on the vine Where did it run to? Where did it go? How could I let it slip through my fingers so? 
For it was a real love And rare and fine And I let it wither on the vine But the heart is pure To swallow is dear Not the reason for you leaving But the way I let it happen Now I'm counting the cost Of the loss of what was once mine That I let with I once had a true love I thought it would last How could I know That it would go so fast A love like a holiday Tender and kind And I let it wither Nick featured on your solo album Watkins Boulders Love. Yeah, yeah. It was always a good thing. He's always really helpful and joined in and uh, and on in a bad mood he's on there. And he'd help, but it was him who said, because uh, I sent him one of your oars. I said, can you think of any more words to put on this? And he said, it doesn't need any more words. It's finished. Yeah. So, so in a way, he sort of helped write it by saying, he, he's, you've done it. They think, oh, okay. <laughs> My Happy Day. I think that's a, a song that you wrote in the 90s, wasn't it? Yeah. Audie just over the road from where I'm sitting now. I was feeling pretty low. It was, it was touch and go. We've all had those times when you think, "Oh bloody hell, how are we gonna? How the hell are we gonna manage?" There must be something to do, and of course, that's when you write stuff like "My Happy Day." Listening to that track in particular, it's almost like a tonic, really. Well, I suppose, yeah. I don't know. Did it cheer me up? Don't know, I might have cheered somebody up, I don't know. <laughs> cheered me up because I like my guitar solo on that. I was rather proud of it because I'm not really a guitarist. Just can't quit Stars in 
McCartney, um, you were on a few tracks on Run Devil Run. Yeah, that was a good track. Well, it came from um, that came from the Van Morrison, I suppose, because I that time with Van Morrison, uh, Mick Green was in the band, and I, I already I was already friendly with with him, and he was doing the Paul McCartney thing, so he wrote me into it to do the same thing. And Paul McCartney was great. I didn't do much, there was only a couple of songs, but it was lovely to do it, and in Abbey Road as well, in that studio, so it's great. Because one of those tracks on Rundell Run that I think you were featured on was uh, Lonesome Town, and obviously a, a cover, but it seemed to have a, a greater resonance because that was the period after Paul had, had lost Linda. And... Yeah, that was the, um, in fact, I think that record was like a therapy for him to sort of, get it out of his system. I think it was came right after that, didn't it? So he just wanted to do some rock and roll. And I don't know whether it worked, but that's... It was great talk. It was, it was great when he'd be in the control room, say, you know, when he'd say, like, uh, of course, when we were, when I was in the van with John, and I'd say, wow, because you don't... Because when you're in there, you're just doing the job. You get on with it until you go, hang on a minute, he's talking about John Lennon and in the van. You think, well, brilliant. But uh, up to then, you just you just do the job, you know. You're just doing what you're paid to do. And that was a good crack. Was it a quick process, uh, hearing the song, first of all, or song suggested and, and recording it? Yeah, it was only... I mean, you just did two days in there. And it was just, yeah, it's pretty, pretty straightforward. Like, this is what we're doing. How about people? How about this? Yeah, yeah, that's whatever. And you mentioned Van Morrison, so mentioned Mick Green. So was it through Mick that you got working with Van? Or I'm sure he had. He must have had something to do with it because he was Van always loved him. So I'm sure he must have mentioned, you know, and says, "Oh, that Watkins fella's good. Try him out." Because Van's always trying different people out all the time. It's like it never stops. So I think it might have been Mick Van through. Um, through the place in Newport as well. Van used to go to the King's Hotel because Mac was a... Mac just loves music and all that. I don't know how he came about, but I think Van used to go there quite a lot when he lived in Bath just to have a meal because Mac was pretty cool. 
and then Ran used to come to the gigs because Mac used to put gigs on in the hotel. He owned the hotel, you know. So he was, <laughs> and he had loads of money as Mac. And uh, he was, that's another story about the Mac thing. He's brilliant. So I think that it came through that as well. And we used to do gigs in Palm Alligators. So I think, you know, it's all. But Van's always, he's always on the lookout. All the bands everywhere. And there'll be people, it's a bit like a football manager, you know, with the scouts going out. And they'll come back with a recommendation. Was it piano and organ that you featured on there? Because I think there's organ quite prominent on Philosopher's uh, Stone, yeah, for example. There was, it was organ on, in fact, it was just organ on there, on the um, back on top, but that was the one. And so it's, that was all organ. But then when I played the gigs, we did, I did organ, main name piano. And then John Allaire came in, his old organ player from America, and he's brilliant too. It was real privilege playing with him. So I played piano then, and he played organ. Ah. He's really brilliant. I don't know what I was doing there, but it was great. So how did uh, Van Morrison compare to, say, Paul McCartney recording? Was he more, Van quite directive in the sound that he wanted? or No, he just, <laughs> I don't know how he do it. He's just got that way about him. He just walks into the room and just starts singing. <laughs> and you just sort of go, okay, that's there you go. And you just follow. and you think, oh shit. And I can't even remember going through any of the songs. I just remember he'd say, Oh, he'd you know, he might have a guitar, he might not, but he just he's just got that presence. You can imagine, can't he, when he walked in the room, everybody goes, Oh shit, it's fine. <laughs> it's like that. But, you know, sometimes it was brilliant because he would follow it and he'd just go easy and he'd go, and it's like, and then sometimes it really worked. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of that record worked, but that's how it is. With Yeah, he's exceptional like that, I think, but brilliant because you just, he really keeps you on your toes, you know, you're going with it. Great. Sahara, Sahara, 
daddy old In my job Turning Into gold On the back street On the back street Jelly roll
streets are white with snow. Yeah, we were singing, don't you rock me, daddy-o. When you hear that engine, when you hear that engine drone. The new ramble all around. only a rose earlier which is one of your best known songs you referred to nick Lowe supporting you to finish the song yeah no it, well he did by only by saying it's finished and that was it and the demo i sent him and you know he said there's no need to do anymore that is it which i did at home on the eight act you know on the on the eight track and it sort of is we did it again of course we've done it on lords of kicks when I did a lot of, um, when I opened for Nick, and then we do maybe only a rose, just the two of us, that sort of thing. But no, he's been really helpful. Only a rose, the version that, that was on Dal W for Watkins and, and yeah. this set, that's actually the demo, and actually that was so good. Yeah, yeah. And that's the, um, yeah. And it does the de- the one thing, well, we, I don't know who decided, but the demo did go on for about six minutes because it was so brilliant. <laughs> but we, we thought, no, it's not that brilliant. So we um, cut it down a bit. And Bob Dylan's a fan of, of you as well as that song as well. Apparently, yeah. 
not I don't know him or anything. And he's I don't know. I yeah. But you know, if he likes it, I'm not gonna argue. Cause he's um, he knows a thing or two. with Bill Wyman. Had you known Bill Wyman before you, you played with the Rhythm Kings? Well, when Willie and the Poor Boys, 
that came through um, Andy Fairweather Low because he he was got friendly with Bill at oh, with some trip, and then when Willie and the Poor Boys came up, which was a, a charity thing for um, Ronnie Lane to the MS thing, yeah. So um, and it was Andy Fairweather Low recommended me to do it. And Mickey G as well, who was in Shakey's band. And Henry Spinetti, who was, and Mickey G was on the Dominators record, of course. So it's all, see, we're all in the same same gang, I suppose. Some of that material of you playing with the Rhythm Kings is on captured on the live communication album. There's a song on, on that live LP, Louisiana 1927, which is Randy Newman's song, and that's got... Um, Dennis Lockyer. Oh, the one with Dennis Lockyer on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good, yeah. Yeah, that's, I remember that live record. And that, he was a good bloke, Dennis Lockyer. I was, I shared the back of the bus with him and we'd sit there and just not bother each other <laughs> too much. Anyways, he was really nice, really nice, nice fella. How was it playing live with Bill and, and the musicians there? Was it just good fun? It was, yeah. It was, it was great, really. And the more I look back at it, you think, God, that was brilliant, huh? I mean, you've got Albert Lee, you've got Beverly Skeet, and then you've got uh, Georgie Fame and the brass players, Graham Broad on the drums. It was, like, brilliant. And then you've got Terry and Bill. And we had a good fun every night, and the music was brilliant. Yeah, it was great. I wish we were still doing it. But, you know, there's a limit. <laughs> Georgie Fame was brilliant, you know, to be on the, on stage with him. And they was great guests, you know, like like Dennis LaCorrier. Um, we had Eddie Floyd on one tour, Mary Wilson. When you were in your teens, who did you look up to on piano or, or organ? Who, who who inspired you? Oh, I suppose, I mean, Ray Charles is the obvious one like that. And I suppose with the rock and roll, Jerry Lee and Little Richard, because I thought, oh, I could do that. I mean, with the right Charles, you think, oh, he's like, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit tricky. And then all the boogie woogie stuff. And then you hear Professor Longhair. And well, I mean, the first thing was the Beatles, I suppose. That was the first record I bought. But that was, I mean, a lot of that's rock and roll, isn't it? And the Rolling Stones, of course. Same, you know, through the 60s is all, all that stuff. And the Animals, they were like R&B band. And Spencer Davis, Steve Winwood. And the small faces, you know, all, all that stuff. That was that was like sort of my like, wow, this is brilliant, you know, and, and Georgie Fame and the Live of the Flamingo, all that stuff. Great. From the north and it start to rain It rained real hard And it rained for a real long time Six feet of water in the streets of Evangeline 
river rolls all day, the river rolls all night. Some people got lost in the flood, but some people got away all right. But that river had busted through, clear down to Plaquemines, and it left six feet of water in the streets of Evangeline. Louisiana They tried to wash us away They tried to wash us away Louisiana Louisiana They tried to wash us away They tried to wash us away President Coolidge, he come down here on a railroad train When the little fat man got a notepad in his hand And the president say, little fat man, now ain't it a shame What the river has done to this poor cracker's land been discussing some of your inspirations but a really interesting uh combination is you working with someone from the younger generation simon ratcliffe of basement jacks on one of your more recent albums that was an inspired collaboration it was yeah and that was just that was all his doing i mean i loved it he just phoned up and said do you want to do a record and he was like oh yes yes (laughs) 
and he lives close by, so we could sort of do it gradually, like we didn't sort of, because um, we co-wrote quite a few of the songs, so he just come round and we work at it slowly until we thought, hang on, should we just put this out? And it was like, yeah, yeah, and that's been pretty good. We still do some of those songs in our set, and it's um, going to have to make another one now. I've got some new songs. Soon there'll be another one. Because we only put this backwards one on, because it's good to, I don't know, it's just a, a way of getting more gigs, really. But I've um, put it out, you think, bloody hell, is that, that's me. That's my life. <laughs> and then you think, well, could be worse. Could have been working in a sausage factory all this time. <laughs> Heaven Only Knows, which is from Rush of Blood, the album that you also collaborated with Simon Ratcliffe on. Yeah. It's a song in particular, especially in these days of streaming, certain songs just take off. That is a, an example where it's it's had a lot of listens, that one. I think over a million on yeah. Spotify. Yeah, I don't think we get any money out of that, but I've heard about the figures, and you think, oh, that's not even going to amount. But it's still very flattering. So you're... Planning or playing live dates with the mosquitoes, are you? Yeah, yeah. We've got a few in the book. And the last few gigs have been really good. We've hit a golden moment, I think. We just want to keep at it. Who knows? It'd be great to see you guys live and, and hopefully play quite a number of tracks from, from this collection. Yeah, we will do. And they'll all be good. We do mainly that, but we do, like Ollie does a few numbers and Martin on the sax does it with features a bit, you know, so it's not just my old songs, but it's mainly my stuff, but it's a nice broad thing, I think. The whole band is a good rocking band, and we do a few, you know, rock and roll classics and stuff, so it's pretty good. Brilliant. Well, I've absolutely loved listening to Aid Memoir, and uh, I wish you all the best with its release. Oh, great. Thank you. And thank you for um, <laughs> inviting me to talk. Some somebody's got to do it, haven't they? No, it's a huge pleasure. Right, oh, brilliant. Well, that's lovely. <laughs> so we we started with the piano and we're we're ending. Yeah, with it. we've ended with the piano. You've changed the sparkle in your eyes. It's gone. Heaven only knows the answer Heaven only knows what it is What it is What it is Heaven only knows what I'm thinking Heaven only knows what goes on in my mind, in my mind, in my mind. It's no secret. Heaven only knows. Heaven only knows why I love you. Heaven only knows what I feel like I do, like I do, like I do. 
it's no secret But heaven only knows Thank you for listening to the strange brew podcast if you do like the show please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online it's 10 years since i started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time all your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests to support me just go to the strangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the home page thank you very much Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.